Turn with me this morning in your Bible to Genesis 6. We're going to read some verses. Genesis chapter 6. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man in the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jabbath. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it off. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, 
And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And if every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Amen. We know the Lord will bless to us this reading of the Holy Scriptures. And my text this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 5. And I want us to think of verse 9. It says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. My theme today is the reality of walking with God. Let me begin this morning by asking a question. Is it possible to walk with God in an ungodly world? Or let me put the question another way. Is it possible to live a godly Christian life in a world full of violence and sin and wickedness? And the answer to that is simple but sublime. The answer is, yes, it is. Walking with God in an ungodly world is indeed a glorious reality. Now, now how do we know that? That's easy for me as a preacher to say that, isn't it? But, but how do we know that that's true? Well, look at your Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. It says in the last few words of the verse, And Noah walked with God. Noah was a real man. He was a real historical character. He's the tenth from Adam. And we learn something about him in the scriptures. And one of the things that we learn about Noah is, and Noah walked with God. So is walking with God a glorious reality? Is it possible, even in an ungodly world full of violence and sin and wickedness? And the answer is yes. Here's one historical figure that's revealed to us. Now, if you turn back in your Bible, you'll find another one. It says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch was the seventh from Adam. He walked with God. He had such a testimony that he pleased God that God took him home to heaven after he had lived on the earth 365 years. So here's two men singled out in the days before the flood and these men knew the reality. They had a testimony that they walked with God even in a godless age. So, so my suggestion this morning is, 
is if these two men could walk with God in the days before the flood, then I believe that it's possible for every true born-again believer in Christ to also walk with God, even though we live in an ungodly age like we do in the 21st century. These two men are really examples then. And, and we can take note of the example and we can put that thought into their mind. Well, if Enoch walked with God in his day and generation and Noah walked with God in his day and generation, then it's possible that I also could walk with God in my day and in my generation. So, so that's our thought this morning. And that's the thought that came to me yesterday morning. Is it possible to, to walk with God? And, and when I said, yes, it is, then these two men came to mind. So I knew the Lord's leading then for this morning's message, even though it came uh, quite late. Three thoughts came to mind, and I, I wrote them down in a bit of paper. Here's the first thought. The reputation that Noah had. Look at the words. And Noah walked with God. Keep that word and in your mind. Let me tell you a story. In the 1940s, a hundred years after revival had broken out in the Isle of Lewis, spiritual life was at a very low ebb. Many young people in that island had turned their back on the church. They had no time or thought for God. True conversion, if it was even talked about among themselves, was looked upon with great disdain. Young people were living for self. They, they, they were living to do their own thing. They, they, they thought more about the dance and thought more about the drink and a, a depraved lifestyle and, and, and maybe even were experimenting a bit with, with drugs as people were doing uh, at that time. The, the presbytery, uh, especially the Presbyterian Church of Scotland on the island, was so alarmed of the lowest state of true religion that they issued a statement. The statement was read out in all the churches. The statement was in the press. And it called on the young people to repent and to get right with God, and, and to consider their latter end, and, 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 to, and to return to the God of their fathers. Some of the ministers and elders of different congregations in the Isle of Lewis spent time in prayer. And in prayer, they believed that the set time to, to favor the island again had come. There were two elderly sisters. Uh, one was called Peggy and the other was called Christine Smith. One was crippled with arthritis and the other was blind. They were in their 80s and they were unable to attend church. But, but their home was a little Bethel. Their, their home was really the house of God to them. And you know what? They gave themselves to prayer. They had a prayer meeting every week and every day in their house. And one day, the, the minister of the Presbyterian Church of Scotland from Barvis um, came to visit the ladies, and they urged him to organize prayer meetings in his church with the elders. So Tuesday morning and Friday morning, Tuesday night, Friday night, was set aside for times of prayer. And after a time of prayer, they decided then that they wouldn't have some special gospel services, much like what we do today. And they decided to invite Duncan Campbell. Now, Duncan Campbell uh, was the, the leader of the faith mission at that time. And so he was contacted. 
want you to come to the Isle of Lewis. Well, well, he had a previous engagement. He was scheduled to speak at the Easter Convention uh, here in Northern Ireland in Bangor when they, they wanted him. But you know, God stepped in. God dealt with the man of God's heart. And um, he, he decided before God that in God's providential leading and God's sovereign will that, that he would leave the Easter Convention in Bangor, not preach there, and that he would go to the Isle of Lewis for a 10-day period and engage in ministry. So, so he got on the boat and he landed in Stornoway. He was met by the minister of the uh, Barvis Church and one of the elders. Now, Duncan Campbell said when he got off the boat, had a long coat, and he had some sort of boots on. Don't think they were Wellington boots, but he had a very pale face. Maybe he was sick with the boat journey. I don't know. But this elder wasn't really impressed with this minister that had come to preach the word of God. And um, he, he greeted Duncan Campbell with this question. Mr. Campbell, are you walking with God? Now, wasn't that a soul-searching, most challenging question to ask a preacher that you had invited to come to your island to preach in gospel services, and here's one of the elders, and he has the tenacity, maybe you could say with a bit of cheek, to ask the question, Mr. Campbell, are you walking with God? You know what his response was? This was his response. What I can say at any rate is this. I fear God. And the elder says, well, that will do. They had a service that night in the Barvis Church. Do you know what time the service finished? 5 a.m. in the morning. And under his ministry, God moved. And, and, and a great spirit of an awakening in, in, in spiritual blessing broke out. Duncan Campbell said that revival spirit was already there when he arrived in Lewis. The Lord moved, souls were saved, lives were changed and transformed. And hundreds of the young people who were involved in the dance and the drink and, and, and the depravity of their own sinful lifestyle, they were gloriously saved. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Duncan Campbell spent two whole years in Lewis. Now think of the question. Mr. Campbell, are you walking with God? And you know that is one of the most challenging, soul-searching questions that you'll ever have to answer. Now, we're here this morning, and no doubt we have a concern for the state of our country. There's many things wrong in the United Kingdom. There's much depravity. Many have a concern for the church, and we think of the religious downgrade and the apostasy, the spirit of worldliness, the things that are going on in churches that are contrary to the teaching of the Bible. We could even home in and examine the life of our own denomination. And you know, if you do that, you'll see many issues and problems. Free Presbyterian Church has loads of faults, loads of failings, 
manifestations of sins and shortcomings. Do you know what? The Free Presbyterian Church is not perfect. Let me tell you why. Because I'm in it. And I'm not perfect by any means. You can have a concern for the state of the country, a concern for the state of the church. You even have a concern for the state of a Christian. You could see their lifestyle. You could look at what he's doing or she's doing. You could listen to them, to what they're saying, and their profession of faith. And they're going here and there. And again, they're doing things that are contrary to what you believe a Christian ought to be doing. And it could be some so depressing. But this is not a question for the country. It's not even a question for the church. And it's not even a question for another Christian. Do you know this? It's not even a question for the church collectively. It's a question for the individual. It's a question for me. Am I walking with God? Do I have a reputation that I'm striving purposefully, not perfectly, but striving purposefully to to walk with God? Now, Now, I want us to grasp this. I want us to try and understand the question, because this question is very important. This question I know is serious and soul-searching. I know this question is intensely spiritual, but the Bible tells us here of two men that walk with God. Both of them were preachers. So this is a question for me. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Enoch was a prophet. We read of Enoch prophesied in the scriptures. So as a minister of the church, as the teaching elder of this congregation, could the Holy Ghost record this of me? Do I have such a reputation that it could be written and David walked with God? You see, I have to confess something. I I did like Duncan Campbell's answer. Mr. Campbell, you're walking with God. He didn't say, of course I am. What do you think I've come, Sonny? He didn't boast. What, What did he say? He said, well, I can say this at any rate, that I fear God. In other words, he'd come with an overwhelming sense of the reverence and the awe and the dread of the true and the living God. And to me, that speaks of his humility. He wasn't boasting or bragging. What he was really saying was, well, that's for others to say. That's for others to see. He didn't come with a form of godliness. He didn't come with a form of passing off himself and pretending he wasn't coming with a form of words because he knew that that would be easy to say yes but he knew it was equally as easy to backslide and to turn away from God and not follow him as closely as we ought he knew it was easily to make a spiritual boast but it wasn't what the neighbors thought or said It wasn't even what another believer or another elder would say. It was what the Lord said. What the Lord could record. And Noah walked with God. The reputation that he had 
I want you to notice, secondly, the realization that Noah harbored. See, I, I asked you to look at the word and. And Noah walked with God. You see, what does that mean? Well, let me suggest a couple of things very quickly. Noah walked closely with God. Think of the word walked with. What does that mean? Does that not mean side by side? Does that not mean a nearness? Does that not mean like an intimate relationship? Could it not also suggest hand in hand? You see, remember Noah lived in a dark, evil, wicked day. We could literally say Noah lived in the worst of times. And Noah stood out in the worst of times because he had this reputation that he walked with God. He was a man in a close relationship with the God of heaven and earth. What was the world like that Noah lived in? Look at your Bible, Genesis 6 and 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Look with me at chapter 6, verse 11. And the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And look at verse 12. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupted. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. The earth was corrupt before God. When you, when you think of it, it was God that saw the wickedness. The earth was corrupt before the Lord, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. You see, in the sight of men, things were not too bad. Life was continuing, marrying, giving in marriage, building, and so on and so forth. Men living for self, doing their own thing, which was right in their own eyes. Men in such an environment, making great strides in so many areas. Technology was advancing in Noah's day. Men viewed themselves as progressive. Haven't we heard that word before? But God says they're a putrid. You see, it's God's view that matters. Here were the hearts and minds of men, and they were filled with evil and wicked imaginations continually. This wasn't just a lapse. This was a lifestyle. And this lifestyle couldn't, stood in contrast to the heart and mind of the will of God. Here we're learning God's view of the world in Noah's day. Corrupt. That means it was morally depraved. This world before the flood, it was destroying itself due to sin. The Bible tells us in verse 11, and the earth was filled with violence. Once they cast off the standard of right and wrong, then moral relativism took over. Um, self was to the fore. And what was the result? Violence and bloodshed upon the earth. Noah lived in the worst of times. Turn over there in your Bible to um, Matthew chapter 24. Do you know that we're also living in the days of Noah? Matthew chapter 24. And look with me at verse 37. Now this is the Lord Jesus. 
This is the Olivet Discourse. This is what he said prior to his death and resurrection. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You see, the thought is that these people were living oblivious to God. They were living in open sin and rebellion. They were secular. They were godless. And they're materialistic. And isn't that exactly what life is like in our day and generation? Hundreds of thousands of people in Northern Ireland with no fear or thought of God this morning. And when men live without God, when they live for sin and self, then all kinds of depravity break out. And you've got a manifestation then of the works of the flesh. Doesn't the book of Galatians tell us now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, it was a free-for-all. The works of the flesh were manifest, which, which we have just read. There was no standards of right and wrong. There was no godly restraints. Society is collapsing all around them. And God saw this. And God said that he was going to destroy it all. And this was a serious situation. Now go back to Genesis. Look at chapter 6 verse 8. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. What do we read there? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Here's a record of one man in this ungodly age that was different. Many living without God. Many had no care or thought for their soul. They had no thought or cognizance of eternity or, 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 or sin. They, they were quite happy to live without God. But one man, out of them all, he's walking closely in fellowship with God. One man that's different out of all the masses of the sinful people that lived in the antediluvian age. I want to ask this morning, is that the aim and the goal of my life and yours? That we live in a close relationship with God, side by side, hand in hand relationship. Can I tell you something else? This thought come to me as well when I read the words of Noah walked with God. Noah walked in communion with God. Hi. By the grace of God. We read in the text, Noah was a just man. Now what does that mean? That means he was righteous. That means he was a justified man. He experienced the justifying grace of God. And the word just here is used in connection with the great subject of justification by faith alone. 
The Bible teaches that the moment a person trusts Christ as a sin bearer, God credits that individual with the righteous life of Jesus Christ. It's put to that sinner's account. And on that ground, that sinner is legally declared righteous in the sight of God. Noah, according to the Bible, was justified by faith. Over there in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, and those who are in the Sunday school will remember I shared a few thoughts a few weeks back on Noah. It says, by faith, Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Why was he the heir of the righteousness, which is by faith? Because he was justified by faith. He had experienced justifying faith. Noah had this creed that he believed in God as the living and the true God. That he had trusted him as his Lord and Redeemer. Noah was there a saved man. He, he was pardoned from all his sins. And, and, and the Bible tells us that as a just man, he, he walked with God. Now, do you see the connection? He, he was saved by the grace of God. And, and, and then he's gifted by that very same grace to, to walk with God. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is no. They have to be in close fellowship and communion. And Noel realized he was a sinner, that he needed to be saved. And, and God saved him by his grace and legally declared him just in his sight. And, and, and God did this for Noah. Uh, the Bible also tells us here, Noah was a just man and perfect. Now, the margin says upright in his generation. When it says perfect, it doesn't mean he was sinlessly perfect. It means he was totally and fully committed. He was striving purposefully. He had planned in his heart and mind to conduct his life accordingly. You see, his conduct stemmed from his creed. His Striving to be upright before God stemmed from the fact that he was justified by faith. There's a link between justification and sanctification. If you're justified by faith, it also means that you'll be sanctified, set apart unto God by that self-same grace. A, a true spirit of holiness will impact in your life. You, you, will, you will say no to sin. And you see, God in his life made a big difference to Noah. Surely the Lord Jesus in our life as Lord and Savior makes a big difference to us. We're, we're, we're born again to, to walk in the newness of life. If any man be in Christ, is a new creature, all things have passed away and all things have become new and all things are of God. Noah lived a life that was different. A life of honesty. A life of integrity. A, a life of faith with God. A, a life lived by the revealed standards of God who taught him what was right and wrong. And his faith, it showed itself in his good works and in his moral behavior. That's God's order. Always God's order. Only God's order. He found grace. And then he experienced true, saving, justifying faith. And then what followed from that was a life of good works, a life of uprightness, moral integrity, and honesty. 
That's the teaching of the Bible. Ephesians 2 and verses 8 and 10. I not turn to it, I not read it, but I, I recommend that to you. Now, now notice the text. In his generation. Do, do you know what that means? That means that the generations that were living at the same time of Noah, the people, the contemporaries that were all around him, inside his family and outside, they, they knew Noah's lifestyle. They could talk about his lifestyle. They observed his lifestyle. And in his communion and fellowship with God, God came and spoke to Noah. God revealed his will to Noah. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Noah would have poured out his heart to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord poured out his heart by way of precepts into the life of Noah. Because we read there in verse 13, And God said unto Noah, Noah not only walked in communion and fellowship with God, but he, he walked circumspectly. We read in the text, with God. That is, beside God or, or before God. You, you think of a, a cap this morning on a wall, say in one of the two up, two down houses in Belfast. Um, we, we'll, we'll say we'll, we'll go in there to the village in Donegal Place, and you'll see some of the walls yet uh, in the backyard. Um, the, the top of the wall is maybe, what, six foot high or six foot six high. On top of the wall, you'll get cement. And in the cement, you'll get the glass. Why? Well, that's to stop the intruder climbing over the wall. But have you ever watched a cat walk over such walls? Well, I have. And, and the cat walks carefully. The, the cat walks circumspectly. In other words, when it puts its little paws down, it's so careful that it's not going to cut itself in any of the jagged glass that is sticking up. And over there again in the book of Ephesians, and Ephesians chapter 5, and in the verse 15, we're, we're exhorted by the apostle Paul that, that this is what he says. He says, seeing then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. In other words, carefully. Noah walked circumspectly with God. Noah had a love for holiness. Noah had such a love for God, such a love for a holy lifestyle, that he said no to sin. And you know, his, 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 his walk had an impact on his family. Look at chapter 6, verse 10. Genesis 6, verse 10. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jabbath. Isn't it interesting that his three sons for 120 years stayed and worked alongside their father and helped him to build the ark and brought their wives also into the ark with him and his wife. Only eight souls were saved. This crazy project of building an ark that was 450 feet long, 700, or 75 feet wide and 45 feet high that took 120 years. You see, Noah stood out for God. And eventually his children that grew up all around him, they stood with him. See, Noah's walk was one step at a time. A walk speaks of steady progress. A, a, a walk speaks of integrity and honesty. 
Are you here this morning and you are listening to this question? Are you walking with God? Is your walk circumspectly? Have you a love for holiness, a love for God? A love that makes you say no to sin? You think of the group this morning. A group of young people and maybe it's a a marijuana joint that's been passed around. Maybe it's an invitation to watch a, a pornographic movie. Or maybe it's an invitation to go into the pub and drink yourself into a state of drunkenness. Maybe in the group somebody's got an illegal copy of a test. And that would be easy for you if, if you just participated. Maybe it's the boss and the boss is saying to you at work and dealing with a customer, I want you to do something underhand or something dishonest. You see, it's easy to go with a crowd, but Noah didn't go to the crowd. Noah stood out. He stood alone for God. He stood in contrast to the majority because Noah was different. Noah was walking with God and his walk was careful. He, he walked circumspectly. He refused to participate and partake in sin. He didn't conform. He was a man who knew what it was to say no to sin. Isn't it very strange if someone claims to walk with God and be in fellowship with him and, and being saved and born of the Spirit but no love for holiness of life and, and refuse to say no to sin? Let me tell you one other thing. Noah walked courageously with God. How, how do I know that? Well, in the last verse of the Bible, or last verse of the chapter, it says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Isn't that tremendous? Chapter 7, verse 5, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Here's the details of the ark. The moral, uh, the materials, the dimensions, strange instruction before a flood ever came. No rain had ever been seen on the earth. No, no tangible sign. But Noah, because he had faith in God's word. He had faith in God's word as regards eternity. His faith in God's word meant that he heard from God. He, he believed what God had said. He knew it in his heart to be true. And he must act upon it. And he must become a doer. And, and, and therefore in a, with an incredible faith in obedience to God. He made this enormous ark. Young people, this story is no myth. That boat was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. And here's Noah in the darkness of the world that he lived in, in the depravity of the world that he worked in. And what did he do? He walks in light of the word of God. And that's so important. The Bible says, 1 John 1 and 7, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Cleanseth us from all sin. Noah walked for 120 years courageously with God before he entered into the ark. He walked years before that. I must finish, but let me just say this here. Later in life, Noah's walk was hindered. Do you know when he came out of the ark, according to Genesis 9 and 20, while he lived till he was 950 years, 350 years after the flood, there's nothing more said about Noah, that he walked with God. No details of his service. Do you know why? Because his walk was hindered because of sin. He built a vineyard, he ended up a drunkard. And then he was uncovered in his tent by his younger son, Canaan. 
And the scripture is silent. I believe that our walk with God can be hindered. Therefore, we must guard our walk with God. And the question for me this morning is this. Am I walking with God in this church? That's the thought I had come to me on Saturday morning. And do I want revival for this church and, and this community and this wee country? It will not come in a vacuum. It will come when I and fellow believers like me are walking closely in communion, circumspectly and courageously with God. And the reality is we're not as close. We're not in communion. We're not walking circumspectly or courageously as we ought to walk with God. This is the realization that Noel harbored and Noel walked with God. I had another point, but we'll leave it there. I trust you've got the message this morning. And if you forget everything else, I know it's been challenging. And it's not often I'm as challenging as this on a Sunday morning. But I pray the Lord will take this, burn it into our heart. And we'll go home this morning with this thought. Am I walking with God? And if not, then let's go to God. And asked him to forgive us. And asked him to help us. Asked him to give us the same grace that was given to Noah. That we might have that reputation too. That we are walking with God.